So it's good to see everyone tonight. It's the third week of school. I can tell you're all jacked up about that, jacked up about the snow. It's like the first snowfall we've gotten this year, I feel like. It's been crazy. It's all the rain we've been getting. But yeah, so it's been a really good first couple of weeks. I couldn't have asked for two better weeks to kick us off uh, these last two services. And if you missed it, Friday night we had this incredible event at Glad Tidings Church called Encounter. And it was amazing. It was the first time we did something quite like that. And, and what we did was we had some, or some worship, and then small group leaders came to the front and prayed over specific needs in the ministry. And I also preached a message and just had some altar time. And it was amazing. Like, everyone was at the altar, and there were nine prophetic words. So if you don't know what a prophetic word is, that's something where God gives someone a message for a group. And nine of our students had different messages from God, and they all kind of tied together. And, and I didn't feel like there was a dry eye in the room. God was just moving in a powerful way. So if you missed Encounter, we're going to do another one at some point. I'm not sure if we'll get to do it this semester, but if we do, you better be there because it's amazing. Seriously, like one of the best events we've ever had. So, but yeah, so anyways, I'm not guilting you, just saying it was amazing. So yeah, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been in the sermon series called Upward Falling. So finally, we sang the song that has that line in it. So now I don't need to explain uh, the series quite as much, but yes, I stole Upward Falling from that song. And and that song actually comes from the Beatitudes. So we've talked about the Beatitudes the last couple of weeks. And, and the whole idea of the Beatitudes is Jesus is saying, if you do these things, if you live this way, then you'll be blessed. And last week I joked and said, hashtag blessed. So if you do these things, it'll be hashtag blessed. And, and here's the thing about the Beatitudes, though. It's not what you would typically think, okay? So we typically think if we have a lot of money, if we have a ton of friends, which are great things, <clears throat> and we have a ton of food, then hashtag blessed. But Jesus says, no. If you lay down your life for others, if you put God and other people before yourself, then you'll be hashtag blessed. So that's what the Beatitudes is about. It's, it's these 12 verses that are saying, if you live in a way that's countercultural, if you live, or, or if you live in a way where you put other people before yourself, where you count other people as more significant than yourself, if you live in a way where you put God before yourself, just as that song says, it says, or it says upward falling, and it, and it talks, or so what it's saying is, that's, or as you bow before Jesus, you actually go upwards. Or as you lay down your life, you go upwards. So as you deny yourself, you actually get more joy and you grow closer to God. So that's what this whole sermon series has been about. In the first week, we talked about how God calls us to be humble first before God, so to be poor in spirit, and also to be humble before other people, so to be meek. We talked about those two verses. And then last week, we talked about just how God calls us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It was an amazing week. We talked about how God calls us to read our Bibles and to pray and to worship so we can draw closer to him. God calls us to be a people who are hungry for more of him in our lives. And now tonight, we're going to get to a pretty deep subject. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 5. We're going to read the Beatitudes again, and we're going to get to the hard part of the Beatitudes, the truly hard part, I feel like. Uh, it's all hard, but this is particularly hard. So let's read these 12 verses, and then I'll tell you what we're going to focus on. It says this. It's going to be up on the screen, too. So if you're still flipping, you can just look at the screen. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, or blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And this is where we've gotten to so far. So now we're going into this, verse 7. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of, or all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for tonight. God, we thank you that 2,000 years ago, you really preached this message, the Beatitude. You sat down with a group of people, or you got up on a mountain, and you preached this message, this message of a countercultural kingdom. God, I pray tonight that your kingdom would, or would come into this place as we take up the call of the Beatitudes to, de- or to ne- just deny ourselves before you and before other people, to count you as more significant than ourselves, to count other people as more, or as more significant to ourselves. And God, I pray that as we do this, as we live in this countercultural kingdom, that you would call us into the joy that you have for us. God, we pray that your spirit would move and that this wouldn't be any lofty words of wisdom, but a demonstration of your power. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So has anyone in here ever been hurt by someone they loved? Okay. That should probably be every hand. If, if you haven't been hurt by someone you loved, then you seriously are hashtag blessed. Like, wow. Like, are you even human? That's amazing. And that's happened. That's cool. But I believe all of us have been hurt in some way by other human beings. We've all had our struggles. We've all had our struggles with uh, forgiving these people as well and making peace with them. We all struggle with, or in some form or the other, of holding on to bitterness and hurt. And when I was in high school, I had a lot of relationships, both or both friendships and romantic relationships that ended up just not panning out the way I thought that they would. And the year that spanned from my summer after my sophomore year to the summer after my junior year was a particularly hard year for me. So three things happened. First, my family was deeply hurt by a church, you know, just something, or I'm not going to get into the details, but just something happened in the church that, that just made me question God and question God's people. And it caused me to get, or to get bitter towards the church. And then uh, the other thing that happened is at that church, the pastor's son was my best friend. So because of the thing that happened, uh, or my best friend told me that, or that we couldn't hang out together anymore. So that was a blow as well. So those two things happened. And then in the spring of my junior year, I got my first like serious girlfriend, okay? And I was pumped about it. And it lasted a month, okay? So anyways, I put, like I thought it was going to be this amazing thing, I put like way too many expectations on it, and it just n- did not pan out, thankfully, because I met my wife a couple years later. But these three things happen, and, and sometimes, or sometimes we get hurt, but instead of actually dealing with the pain, we just kind of just cover it up. And that's what I did. I just said, ah, oh, it's no big deal that that church hurt my family. It's no big deal that my friend doesn't want to be my friend anymore. It's no big deal that I had all these hopes for this girl and it didn't work out. Those things are no big deal. But actually, throughout that, I was dealing with the sense of always being rejected. And that wasn't the only time I was rejected by friends or whatever. There's a ton of stories growing up where I just felt, or just felt rejected by friends. And, and there's one night where I was sitting in my basement doing what I always do on weeknights. Well, not anymore, but that's what I did. I, I played Madden. I sat in the same spot, and I played Madden every night of the week for, for at least an hour, because if I didn't do that, then I wasn't truly living. So anyways, I was, seriously, that's how I thought. Um, so I was playing, and my mom came down, and she just asked me how I was. 
And, and it wasn't the typical question of, hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, and you walk away. Like, how ridiculous is that? So anyway, she comes down, she asks me how I'm doing, and she can sense that something's wrong, and she begins to ask me about the different things that have happened over the last year, and, and I begin to think about it more, and I begin to feel the pain for really the first time, to actually feel it. Like, it was in my subconscious, but I felt the pain, and, and then all of a sudden, tears just began to trickle down my face as I had to actually deal with the pain. And my mom asked me if I'd make a choice to forgive those people, and I prayed a prayer just to forgive them. And, and I didn't totally get over it that night, but, but I felt this spiritual, or, the, or just this freedom and this liberation that night. And my prayer for us tonight is that if you're in this room and you're dealing with bitterness, you're dealing with, or with not forgiving someone who hurt you, or if you don't even know you're dealing with it, I pray that tonight that God would reveal those spaces in your heart and, it, and that you would deal with it. And that, or that you would make the decision to forgive. You know, some of you have best friends who have betrayed you, just like me. You know, some of you have had boyfriends or girlfriends who you gave yourselves to physically, and, and they're no longer with you, and you still feel the pain of that relationship and the choices you've made. Some of you, you know, maybe have been hurt by the church, like I, or like I was. And tonight you need to deal with that. Or maybe some of you have been hurt by God. Maybe you feel like, God took someone from you sooner than that person should have been taken or taken. And tonight you need to forgive God. I believe that God wants to free us from bitterness tonight. I believe that with all my heart. So the title of tonight's message is this, The Merciful Slash Because It's Hip, The Peacemakers. I don't know why, that's just the cool thing to do. So I did The Merciful Slash The Peacemakers. And we're going to talk about those two verses. So Matthew 5, 7 and 9 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So the main idea tonight is this. If you're taking notes, and this is one night, like I said every week, but seriously, please take notes tonight. There's like two points, and there's like three subpoints for each point. I don't typically do that, but there's, or there's so much in Romans 12, which is the passage we're going to be in, that I feel like you need to write this stuff down. There's some really good stuff. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, the main idea is this, blessed are those who live at peace with others and forgive freely. Jesus is calling us to be a people who give mercy to people who don't deserve it. He's calling us to be lights and to be peacemakers in a dark and divided world. To be a people who promote the peace of God. He's not calling us to promote peace at the cost of sacrificing our beliefs, but he's calling us to do everything we can to live at peace with other people. And the Apostle Paul pens an amazing call to forgive and make peace in the 12th chapter of Romans. And Romans 12 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I've always said this, if we can seek to live out this chapter, first in our personal lives and then as a community, we're going to be pretty joyful people. We're going to flourish as a people. So Chi Alpha, if there's one chapter I want you to get, it's Romans 12. If we can do this as a community, then we're going to be a joyful vibrant place, and everyone's going to want to be a part of it. I'm telling you that. This is, a, this is absolute, or absolutely an amazing chapter. Get this in your bones. So tonight, we're just going to do verse 14 through 21, although the whole thing's amazing. And this particular part talks about forgiving people and making peace. So let's read it. And if you have your Bibles, turn there, because I'm going to kind of be jumping through these verses throughout the night. So if you do it, or if you did bring a physical Bible, this is a good time to turn to that. So, or, or so Romans 12, 14 through 21. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. What's this sound like? Kind of like the Beatitudes, right? It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And live in harmony with each other. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And never be wise in your own sight. That's, that's good right there. There's so many times, just being honest, I'm a human. I'm thinking, wow, like, I really handled that situation well. Or, wow, I'm really pretty wise. And then I hear that verse, like, ringing in my head. Don't be wise in your own sight. As soon as you think you're wise, you're a fool. Okay, don't be wise in your own sight. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Boom. That verse. Get it. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but instead leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. It's kind of scary. Verse 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. So God's going to have vengeance. You're going to heap burning coals on someone's head. This does not sound like fairy dust Jesus right here. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This passage is jam-packed with amazing principles, and we're going to cover a lot of it tonight. So the first thing is this, the first point tonight. So there's two points, and there's some sub-points. So the first point tonight is this. We should do everything we can without sacrificing our beliefs to live at peace with other people. And that comes from verse 18. So the call of the Beatitudes is the call to put God and other people before yourselves. It's the call to, or to de- deny your own interests for other people. And at the heart of the Beatitudes is the ninth verse. The call to be peacemakers, to be lights in a dark world, to be peacemakers in a divided world. We are called to promote God's messianic peace that was ushered in through Jesus, where even enemies can live at peace with each other. Some of us need to hear that on Facebook, okay? Enemies can live at peace with each other. Come on, somebody. That's a good word, especially this week. I about deactivated my Facebook like seven times last week. But then there's the cat videos, so I couldn't. But I thought about it. And we know that peace won't come once and for all until Jesus returns to set up his eternal kingdom at the end of days. But between now and then, we're called to be peacemakers. While the world fights with each other on Facebook and is divided, we should pursue peace and love those who are different than us. Come on, somebody. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. If you're a peacemaker, then you are called a son or daughter of God. That's beautiful. And the Apostle Paul defines what it means to be a peacemaker really well in verse 18. He says, you know, once again, this is the third time of me saying this, and I'll probably say it again. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Paul says that as followers of Jesus, we should do whatever we can without sacrificing our beliefs or the message of Jesus to live at peace with other people. The reality is some people are going to hate you for your faith and they won't want peace with you no matter what you do unless you change your ideology. In fact, Jesus, just a few chapters after he calls us to be peacemakers in the Beatitudes, says this in Matthew 10, 34 and 35. 
Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That sounds a lot different than the peacemaker verse just a few chapters before, but here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, because the gospel is offensive, because the message of the Bible can be offensive to our world, if you decide to follow Jesus, there might be some people who hate you. So Jesus says, in that sense, I did not come to bring peace. Jesus has not called you to lay down your beliefs or, or lay down the beliefs of Scripture for other people. He's not called you to bow at the altar of culture in our country. He says, instead, I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. So there is that sense that there's no way we can make peace with some people. However, that doesn't get us off the hook. You don't get to just be a jerk on Facebook, say, oh, Jesus hates you. Forget it. Like, it's not my deal. You know, Jesus said we're going to be divided. No, you don't get an excuse to be a jerk. You don't get an excuse to fight with people on Facebook or anything like that. Because the Apostle Paul says this, he, or he says, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you, live peace, or peaceably with all. So as far as if Jesus, or we have lost our right to be angry at other people and wait for them to make amends with us. Okay, we've lost that right. We have lost the right to be offended. We've lost the right to be offended. Guys, we've offended God in the deepest of ways, and he went all the way to the cross for us. So you lost your right. When you prayed that prayer of salvation, you said, I'm no longer going to be offended by other people. That's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, don't be offended. Don't be the person who just waits for the other person to come and make amends. But Jesus says, be a peacemaker. So if there's division with you and someone else, you need to go make peace. That is the call of Jesus. That is the call of the gospel. Gospel people don't get to be offended. Gospel people don't get to sit and whine and wait for the other person to make amends. But instead, we lay down our lives we bow before Jesus and we say, I'm going to go there even if I don't even think I was wrong and apologize for my part. We have to be peacemakers on the earth. I love pol or, or, uh, political TV shows. And, and I talked about Madam Secretary last, I think last semester. And there's a new one I'm watching now. It's called Designated Survivor. Okay, if you've heard of that, it's pretty good. See, someone's, yeah, someone's watched it. It's good stuff. So, Designated Survivor tells the story of a scenario where the U.S. Capitol was blown up during the President's uh, State of the Union address. So during the State of the Union, uh, Supreme Court justices, Congress, the President, and his entire cabinet are in the Capitol. But there's one person that they call the Designated Survivor, and that's someone that the President chooses from his cabinet to, to, take, over the, or to take over the office of presidency if the whole place gets blown up. So the person he chooses is someone who he's going to fire the next day, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. You probably didn't even know that existed, but that's what it is. And, and Thomas Kirkman is this fictional guy who's the secretary, and he's off in some, uh, some bunker somewhere just eating chips and watching the State of the Union when it gets blown up. And then he becomes president. So this dude that's about to get fired from the cabinet becomes president, and the very, or the very next day, his uh, generals are telling him, hey, we need to counterattack against someone. Like, we got to flex American muscle, because that's what we do in America. America. Flex our muscle. Okay? And it makes sense, but, but, the, or but Thomas, or what they're trying to do is get him to attack Iran, because they see some suspicious activity going on in Iran, so they say, oh, it must be them. 
But Thomas Kirkman says, hey, I'm not going to just attack them just to flex our muscles. I need to go talk to, or to the ambassador and see what's really going on. So he goes and talks to the Iranian ambassador, and he figures out that it, in fact, was not them who, was, or who attacked the capital. And he actually gets them to stop their suspicious activity because he t- or talks tough. But there's something that I thought was profound about that. Because this, or this brand new guy getting into office, he's got all his generals telling him to attack Iran because, hey, you got to flex your muscle. But he says, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, I'm going to do whatever I can to be at peace with people who we shouldn't be at war with. Now, get this. If, if Iran did blow up the capital, he probably should fire back, I would think. I'm not trying to make a political point, but that's just that's probably what we should do. But Thomas said, hey, I'm going to do whatever I can to figure out if we can keep peace with them. And that's the call for us. I'm not trying to make a political point, but instead a relational point. And as people of God, we should do whatever we can to be at peace with other people. We don't want to have division with people just to have division. So if you're a Facebook ninja and you're just commenting on everything, fighting with everyone, knock it off, please. Or else I'll unfollow you. And that's not fun. I want to follow you guys. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers in the world without sacrificing truth. So we should always attempt to make peace with those who we have division with. So in the last, uh, or the first four verses of, of Romans 12, there's some principles we see here on how we can be peacemakers. So of that passage, the first four verses of the passage we read, verses 14 through 17. And what I want to do quickly is just go through these principles that Paul gives us on how we can be a peacemaker. And I'll just read verse by verse and we'll draw out the principles. So verse 14 says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. So the first thing you should do if you want to be a peacemaker is bless those who disagree with you. Can I get an amen? Bless those who disagree with you. You do not have to agree with someone to love them. You do not have to agree with someone's lifestyle to love them. Instead, we should bless them and show them that, hey, love is not just tolerating you or disagreeing with you. Love is saying, hey, even though I disagree with you, I'm still going to be your friend. And I'm still going to lay down my life for you. So Paul calls us to bless those who disagree with us. As Christians, we should always seek to bless those who come against us. In this case, Paul is specifically talking about blessing those who persecute the church. So, so we don't really face that in America. You may think you're being persecuted, but you're not compared to Paul. Getting in arguments on Facebook, that is not persecution. Persecution is getting beaten for your faith. And Paul was truly persecuted. But, America, or but in America, we do have people who hate us for our faith or think our beliefs and opinions are backwards. And I want to implore you tonight to never stoop to that level and never respond to persecution with hatred or cursing, but instead always bless those who you disagree with. That's the first step in being a peacemaker. The second thing is in verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And the point is this, empathize with other people. Empathize with other people. As Christians, we're called to be empathetic. We should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We don't have to agree with everything someone does, but as followers of Jesus, we're called to empathize with people in their joy and in their sorrow. We're called to be with people. Jesus was with us. Jesus came to earth as a human. God with us, Emmanuel. He came and lived a human life and was with us. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to be with people 
if we disagree with them or agree with them. We're called to be with them. And a great example, I said this after the presidential election. I said, there's some people who are very happy. There's some people who are very sad. Some of you are still very sad. Some of you are really pumped. The call of Christians is not to debate with each other or argue or be divided. But instead, for me, this is my philosophy at least. I just said, hey, if people were pumped about the presidential election, I'm going to say, that's great. I'm glad your guy won. If people are sad, I'm going to say, that really stinks. I'm sorry he won. That's the call of followers of Jesus, to be empathetic. We don't have to agree with everything, but as followers of Jesus, we're called to be empathetic. Verse 16 says this, Live in harmony with each other. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, and never be wise in your own sight. So the third thing you should do to be a peacemaker is to seek unity and refuse to view yourself as superior to other people. Refuse that temptation. Our first instinct should always be to seek harmony and unity with other people. And that doesn't mean we seek agreement on every issue in the world, but it means we live at peace with one another even when we disagree with each other. I'm just hitting a resounding gong here just over and over again. Live at peace with each other even with those who you disagree with. Guys, we have to be able to grasp the, temp- or the tension of being at harmony with each other while still being able to disagree. This is the call of the peacemaking follower of Jesus. As Christians, we should, should especially seek to display harmony with, or with each other. Okay? That's why I try to never, like I don't try to fight with anyone, but on Facebook especially, I don't want to be arguing about theological issues on Facebook. I don't think like anyone really does that in here, but, but don't do it if you are tempted to do that. Because when the church looks divided, that is not a good witness to a watching world. So seek harmony with each other and refuse to view yourself as superior to other people. And finally, verse 17 says, says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable inside of all. So the fourth thing you should do is, is represent Christ in all that you do by responding to evil with love. Jesus says it really well in Matthew 5, 38 through 39. He says, You've, he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. This is the call of Jesus. To refuse to retaliate. This is the way of the peacemaker. When you put your faith in Jesus, did you know what you're signing up for? You can't be offended. You turn the other cheek. You bless those who disagree with you. This is a hard thing. That's why this whole sermon series is upward falling. We have If we truly want to get to Jesus, we have to lay down our lives. We have to deny ourselves. But Jesus doesn't only call us to make peace and heal divisions, but he also calls us to forgive people even when we don't think they deserve it. So the second point is this. We should forgive freely. At the heart of the gospel is forgiveness. Jesus Christ, Son of God, gave his life for each one of us so that, or so that, We could be forgiven for our sins and spend eternity with him. Jesus paid it all for us. When we deserve punishment and we deserve death and hell, Jesus gave us mercy. As people of the cross, we are called to do the same for the people in our lives. We're called to give mercy to people who do not deserve it. We're called to give forgiveness when people or people least expect it. Verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And mercy is defined as compassion or forgiveness or showing towards someone whom it is 
or it is within one's power to punish or harm. So someone deserves punishment, but instead you give them love and you forgive them. So mercy is showing love to someone who deserves punishment. In the last three verses of Romans 12 of this particular passage, we see three profound principles about showing mercy and forgiveness and refusing bitterness. So pretty much what's happening tonight is Paul is preaching this message for me. So I'm just reading what he said. Okay, let's keep going through it. Verse 19, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but instead leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will, or, I will repay, says the Lord. So the first principle about showing mercy is this. Trust that God will take care of justice. Trust that God will take care of justice. Forgiving others is one of the biggest steps of faith you can take. It's saying, God, I surrender and I trust you to take care of justice. I trust you to take care of that person. I trust you to take care, or take care of business. I recognize that I don't have to enact justice against this person or have revenge, but if this person doesn't repent, at the end of days, you will enact justice. That's the reality. God, or every injustice will be paid for at the end. So if you think, you know, things going on in the world, how could that happen and God doesn't do anything about it? At the very end, God will judge everyone who has not repented and put, it, or put their faith in him. That sounds like a very anti-American idea to some of us. We're like, wow, like, doesn't God just forgive everyone? But actually, it's interesting. So in, or in our culture, forgiveness and just giving grace no matter what, like no matter what someone done, hey, hey, get into heaven, you're good. Like that's an American virtue. But in Africa and other places in the world, actually a virtue is justice. It's saying if someone has done something wrong and they have not asked for forgiveness, they should be punished. And the beautiful thing about Christianity is it works in every culture. Because it says, I'm going to be completely loving and completely just. I'm going, to, I'm going to be completely loving by paying the penalty myself through my son, Jesus, I'm going to be completely just through pouring out my wrath for those sins on my son. Christianity works in every culture. It's amazing. So guys, it's a right feeling to feel like someone should pay a penalty. Justice is a good thing. We should feel that, or feel that way, but as followers of Jesus, we have to give it to God. We have to say, I cannot carry the weight of revenge or carry the weight of justice. Instead, I give it to my maker who's way better at this stuff than I am. And we should pray for that person's repentance. We should pray for that. Guys, we don't want anyone to go to hell. But know that God will take care of that person in the end. Verse 20 says this, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. So the second principle we see about showing, about showing mercy is we should bless our enemies. We've been talking about this, I feel like. And when you do, you actually dis, or disarm them, and you may lead them to repentance. That's, or that's what Paul means by heaping burning coals on their head. If you keep fighting with someone, it's just going to keep going, all right? Like, or that person, like, I'm going to fire back. But then when you forgive them, it's really awkward. They're like, oh, what do I do now? And you heap burning coals on their head. And you may lead them to repentance because they're going to be shocked when you forgive them. Because the human thing is to feel like, hey, we've got to pay them back. But the way of the cross is to say, I'm going to forgive you even when you don't deserve it. We have to bless our enemies. Verse 21 says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is the very last verse. So the third principle that we see about showing mercy is, Do not allow your hurt to turn into bitterness. I implore you, do not... 
Do not allow your hurt to turn into bitterness, but overcome it with good. Overcome it with the gospel. Forgive those people who you don't feel like deserve it, because if you don't, it's going to eat you alive. Bitterness is a scheme of Satan to sour your heart and to cut you off from intimacy with the Father. As forgiven people, we are called to forgive others. When we choose bitterness, we defile our hearts and we separate ourselves from God. I've heard it said that bitterness is like drinking poison and, and expecting the other person to die. It only hurts you in the end. Bitterness only hurts you. So for your own good, knock it off. Forgive that person. Forgive that person. We need to flee bitterness. We need to be free from the hurt. And we need to give it to God, the completely loving one and the completely just one. We need to give it to God. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. That's a good principle to follow. Be kind. I just want to post that every day. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you. Bitterness has no place in our lives. God calls us to be kind, to be tenderhearted, to be quick to forgive because Jesus forgave us. In Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, for, you, or for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Get this, verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, then neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you forgive for no other reason, forgive because God says if you don't forgive, then he's not going to forgive you. This is sobering. As forgiven people, we are called to forgive others. If we hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, it will cut us off from our relationship with God. Instead, if we forgive other people for their trespasses, then we will draw closer to God. Guys, when we hold on to, or to bitterness, it puts up this relational barrier with God. Because, because you can't be a truly forgiven person if you're, not, or if you're not willing to forgive other people. The gospel says that, or that you're more flawed and sinful than you could ever imagine, but at the same time, you're more loved than you could ever dream. And that should change the way that you live. So you don't just pray a prayer during Chi Alpha and say, I'm good. I'm going to go do whatever I want. Be bitter towards people. No, Jesus says, if you have truly tasted my love and my forgiveness, it's going to change everything about you. And the first way it should change you is you realize, wow, God has forgiven me of so much. So what else can I do but forgive other people? What else can I do but decide to not have road rage? Come on. Everyone's feeling convicted. Those conviction bombs, I tell you. 1 John 4, 19 through 20 says this. It says, we love because he first loved us. If, any, or if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, then he is a liar. He's a liar, says John. Wow. For he who does not, or does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot possibly love God whom he has not seen. Forgiveness of others must be a response to God's love. It says, we love because he first loved us. We don't forgive and hope that God will forgive us because we forgave, but we forgive because we've been forgiven. If we truly have been forgiven, we will forgive others. We cannot say we love God but hate our brother. And if we do, then John, the apostle John, says, you're a liar. So if you get anything else tonight, that's this. 
If you're not forgiving other people, if you hate your brother, then you're a liar. Take that home with you. Encouraging note for the week. <laughs> Guys, these apostles did not mess around. That's what I love about the Bible. They tell the truth all throughout. I mean, it is the truth of God. But anyways, so if you keep up with the news at all, you may have heard the story, it was actually last year that this happened, of a pastor's wife who was murdered in Indianapolis last year. So Pastor Davy and his wife Amanda Blackburn had, had moved to Indianapolis to plant a church and to reach the city. They had dreams that God was going to move in their community, much like we have huge dreams for you and I. These are the same kind of people. We would really like hanging out with these people. Like they had dreams of, of just reaching their city and that God was going to use them to, to do something miraculous. And then one morning last year when Pastor Davy was at the gym, three young men broke into his house and shot his wife and his unborn child. And when I think about that circumstance, when I think about Pastor Davy's circumstance, trying to do something great for God, and then three thugs come in and kill his wife, when I think about that, I think I would be pretty bitter if that happened to me. God, I'm trying to do your work. God, I'm trying to do a, do a great thing at you and I. How could you take my wife from me? That's how I would be tempted or to respond. But Pastor Davy responded completely different. He said this. It's a direct quote. He says, I don't want to live my life going down the path of bitterness because it will destroy my soul and it will destroy everyone around me if I choose the bitterness. So today, I choose forgiveness. And tomorrow, I pray that I can wake up and choose forgiveness by the power of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things when Jesus was being inflicted with way, or with way more pain than any of us could ever imagine on the cross, Jesus instead looked out and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And so that spirit lives inside of us. This is still him talking. And we're just praying that his spirit would help us in that. So that's what he said. And that was like a month after this happened. And the powerful thing about this story, since Amanda's death last year, you can look it up. It's Resonate Church in Indianapolis. Since her death, Pastor David and his church have been able to lead hundreds of people to Jesus, and their church is blowing up. Their website says that they spend every moment following Jesus into his plan to restore the tragedy into something beautiful. They are on a mission to turn Indianapolis upside down for Jesus. Tonight, we need to choose the path of Pastor Davey and make a decision to choose to forgive those who have hurt us. And then watch God make something beautiful out of that forgiveness. We need to not drink the poison of bitterness. Those who are truly children of God cannot help but forgive other people. Pastor Davey knew that his sins against God were way more than those kids' sins against his wife. That's the reality. We're enemies of God. We deserve death. We deserve hell. And Pastor Davey understood that Jesus forgave him even when he was his enemy. Jesus laid down his life for Pastor Davy. He knew that, and that's what enabled him to forgive those guys. And that's what we're called to do tonight, to understand that forgiven people forgive, or forgive people. So if there's someone you need to forgive, I challenge you tonight to forgive them. Refuse to drink the poison of bitterness. The worship team could come up. We're going to close up here. So Matthew 5, 7 and 9 says this. Let's read it one more time. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The main idea tonight is this. Blessed are those who live at peace with others and forgive freely. Jesus is calling you to be a peacemaker tonight. He's calling you to make peace with those who you have division with so that you can have joy and be a witness for him. He's also calling you to forgive those who have wronged you. He wants to free you from the bondage of bitterness and use your hurt for something beautiful. And I know that there's so many of us in this room who are struggling with the, or just the idea of letting go of that bitterness. We've held on to it for so long. How could we give that up? It's almost become a part of us. We, or we feel like we couldn't go on without that bitterness there. But I'm telling you, when you make the decision to let go, God is going to do something beautiful. God will do something beautiful with that. So I don't know where you're at. Maybe your parents hurt you. Maybe you, or you were just abandoned by your parents. Maybe the person that you thought was the one didn't turn out to be the one. Or maybe your best friend has been ignoring you or treating you poorly since you got to college. Or maybe you're mad at God for losing someone you love. There's so many different scenarios. I can't even attempt to name all of them, but I know we've all dealt with hurt because we're human beings and we live in a fallen world. Tonight, Jesus wants to set you free. And the place where we find the power to make peace with others, the place where we find the power to forgive those who have hurt us is the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to look to the cross where Jesus died for his enemies. Jesus died for his enemies. That's us, born as enemies of God. Jesus died for us so that, or so that we could become the righteousness of God. People who did not deserve it at all. Jesus died for us. He died for you. He died for me. And he didn't only die for us, but he rose from the dead and defeated death, sin, and hell in the grave for us. And if we truly get the truth of the cross, then forgiveness will be just a little bit easier, I promise. So tonight, I challenge you to think about the cross. Think about the sins that you've committed. And think about Jesus' Jesus's grace for you in the midst of that. And use that for the power to forgive others who have hurt you. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this. I love this. It says, For while we were st- are still weak, still weak, at the, or at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for, for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm telling you guys, if that truth has not changed your heart, I don't, care if you, I don't care if you grew up in church, I don't care what your story is, if that truth that Jesus died for us when we were ungodly and did not deserve it, if that truth has not changed you yet, something needs to happen tonight. The Spirit of God needs to come in and soften your heart and break those chains and show you that Jesus gave it all for you. And when you get that, when you taste the love of God, that will be the courage you need to forgive other people. This is our destiny, to taste the love of God and give the love of God to other people. That's our destiny, to know God and to make him known, to be forgiven, God, or to be forgiven by God and to forgive other people and to show people the forgiveness that can be found in Jesus. If you'd stand with me.
Let's make a decision tonight to not only be a forgiven people, but to be a forgiving people. Let's make a decision to not only be at peace with God, but to help other people find peace with God. Let's make a decision to show people where forgiveness and peace is found, the cross of Jesus Christ. You guys would bow your heads and close your eyes. This is going to, this is just an intimate moment between you and God. No one's looking around. This is just you and God. I have two questions tonight. And the first one is this. If you're in this room and you need to make a commitment to follow Jesus, you need to make a commitment to accept the forgiveness of Jesus. If you want to enter into a, to a relationship with Jesus tonight, if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. There's no one looking around. See that hand. Are there any other hands? Is there anyone else? All right, so I'm going to pray for that first, and then we'll pray for the second thing. Jesus, I just pray tonight that if there's anyone in this room who wants to put their faith in you or make a recommitment to follow you, God, I pray tonight that you would change their heart. God, I pray that you would lead them to repentance, that they'd be forever changed. God, I pray that there be no one in this room who, who walks out of here being the same person as when they came in. God, I pray that all of us would be sons and daughters of you. In Jesus' name. The second thing is this, and just, or again, guys, this is just between you and God. If you need to forgive someone tonight, I'm not even going to look tonight, because this is just between you and God. If you need to forgive someone tonight, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not even looking. Just put your hands up. It's between you and Jesus. All right, I'm sure there's tons of hands up. You can put them down. Let's just pray that God will give us the strength and the courage and the bravery to forgive those who have hurt us. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross where you said, I'm going to die for my enemies. I'm going to turn the other cheek so that people can be the righteousness of God. I'm going to just lay down my life so people can have eternity with God. God, I pray tonight that that truth would change our hearts and I pray that that truth would cause us to forgive other people. God, I pray that if there's any hurt in this room, in the name of Jesus, I pray for healing. I pray that the power of God will come into our hearts and forgive us of our bitterness and give us healing. It says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And tonight I proclaim that in the name of Jesus. God, we love you so much. We thank you for the freedom that was purchased for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's worship him.